Hi, you are watching On The Town uh, with Tanya. I'm your host and welcome back. Hi, hi again. Uh, so, um, yes, that was awkward, but the, you know me. <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Helena Joyce, you know that. Awkward girl. I was jamming. <laughs> awkward girl. But thank you um, for coming back again this week. I really appreciate you all. Uh, this week we are talking about racism and healing America. Uh, what can be done about that? So I have um, three people with me, and one will be chiming in uh, at some point via video, uh, but three people with me that are very special, um, dear to my heart because of the work that they individually each do. Um, and um, to me, it's one thing to say that you want to heal racism or that you know you want to do something, but then you don't do anything. Uh, so for, for someone to actually take action in the world, especially during a pandemic, after a pandemic, it's, it says a lot about them. So um, I appreciate each of these guests that are with me today. Um, and so we're going to discuss the state of racism. And our first guest is the director of training uh, at the Center for the Study of White Culture. And um, I, I will list on, on the um, site here uh, how to reach them uh, if needed, if you want to take classes. Uh, she has written a chapter in a recently published book, Rise, for, uh, excuse me, for Racial Justice, How to Talk About Race, with schools and communities. Please welcome Robin Mallison Alburn. Hi. Thank you, Tanya. Thanks Thank so much, much for inviting me. Thank you for being our guest. I appreciate you. Uh, and our next guest uh, is an actor, and he is the moderator and co-host for Sustainable Conversations. Please welcome Chris Chen. Hello, Hi, Chris. everybody. Thanks, Tanya. It's really great to be here. Really, really looking forward to the conversation. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's uh, so so good to have you as a guest. Uh, and our next guest is uh, um, she's not seen as of yet, but I'm going to introduce her so that it will be uh, there later. She is the director of AIG. Uh, she's uh, I believe she was a former actress as well, right? And she is one of the, I call it the glue to sustainable conversations. Who is not um, not able to be with us, but um, she will be chiming in at some point. Uh, Miss Karen Lehman Foster. And last but not least, uh, she is a Broadway veteran, actress, singer, uh, writer, and director. I don't know, she's always so modest about it, but y'all might have seen her on HBO. Uh, she plays the mother, Issa Rae's Awkward Girl. Okay, sorry, I had to say it. Uh, she is the creator, creator of The Diva Mom Show, and she's working on a new project that you must see, brown skin but cute. Uh, please welcome the lovely Helena Joyce Wright. Hi. Hi. I'm going to get you, Tanya. <laughs> I know. I know. That was not in the script. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I had You're to do it. ad living already. <laughs> well, you, uh, you're lucky I didn't mention the doctor part, but we won't go there. <laughs> okay. uh, anyway. I'll consider myself lucky. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, uh, all of you, for being here. Um, you know, race is a big uh, topic. Uh, and. And not so much that I care about it. It's just a thing that just keeps re reoccurring. So um, you figure out how do we, how do I get ahead of this thing, right? Uh, instead of being stressed about it or distressed about it, um, or instead of being a part of it um, or ignoring it, what what can I do? So I thought you three um, were the prime um, example of something can be done, and this is what I can do. 
Uh, and if I can't, then this is what I can do for myself to at least not add on to, right? Exactly. So that's why you're all here. I thank you. Um, you know, racism in America has really gotten out of hand. Um, some people say, oh, when did it start? And I was like, mm, it wasn't just the 16th, uh, what is it? Um, it wasn't just, um, historically, they say it was an accident or something. I, I was reading something the other day uh, and it said it was a historical accident uh, where the three million, with the three million American troops. Very um, intentional. Yeah. Very, very oh, I mean, hello, come on. I, I just thought it was hilarious that they, it was short com. It was this, this other, just one little piece I was reading. This tons of Harvard had something. Everybody has their um, view on when it started and why, but it boils down to this. Even if it was the soldiers, they wanted to control, you know, how many more white soldiers there would be versus the other ones. Even if it was about that, um, that's, that's, hogwash it really started to me um with slavery um and and the reason why it started because i don't know if you know have you ever, i mean even the vatican has pictures of like you know um uh, well i'll call it god is black uh they have pictures of these black kings you know with um you know these oh, yeah the vatican is the the greatest keeper of 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 all the uh, treasure i mean the louvre is uh is is that's some was was life-changing mm -hmm. but the vatican is where i'm trying to just spend a week just down in the museum because it, it's crazy that they are the keepers of so much of african history and culture and so it's interesting because they know the secrets but Nobody wants what to a know. world. What a, I always say this. I'm sorry to jump in like this on our sustainable. What a different world it would be if if they would just acknowledge who we actually have been to all of humanity instead of just making a people feel like all they can do is dance and sing. Instead right. of, you know, if it just could be fair, and and that's something that I see as doable in terms of sharing information and accurate information mm. um well that's going to be remaining to be seen it's something so simple that um there's such a big fight on it too and we'll get we'll get more into it but yeah Sorry, I, I just wanted yes. to give them just a brief history of allegedly um you know it all started well they say before the 16th to the 18th century I mean, who knows? Um, when they started importing us, they say imported, I say dragging us, but we won't go there. Uh, they imported us to America from from Africa. That's uh, pretty much how it started. And it was a cover up um, for guilt um, and for things that they know they did wrong. So when you let the slaves go, now you had to figure out how am I gonna make money if I had them doing all the work. And now when they figured out the slaves figured out how to make money and how to, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma wasn't the only place that made it. There's tons of places that said, Oh, well, they won't give us no food. We'll figure out how to grow our own food. We'll get our own farms. We'll do our own stores. Once they got that, then it became, um, well, we're going to burn this down. They can't have that. So then it became, well, darn it. We can't burn everything down. So now the narrative, which I always equate to, and I could be totally wrong. Um, the, uh, what's the name of that movie in the fifties? Um, I just totally forgot the name of the movie. Really? I'm having a, mo a senior moment. Um, Birth of a Nation um, was the medium flight to get out to everyone that you're in danger from those brown people. You're in danger, which is not, which is a total lie. Um, but I believe that's what escalated it. 
and kept it embedded into our skin so long, everyone, you know, um, and, and now you have people that you can say, no, 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 Christopher Columbus did not discover. Well, that's not what my grandmother told me. And I was like, girl, just use your common sense and think about, do you think he was the first person here? Like just common sense. You don't even need history. You don't need a degree to know that. Like that's just should be common, but I guess people don't travel. I don't know what the problem is that. But anyway, I want to show um, um, the video from EAG um, because that says a lot about racism and people's first experiences with racism. Chris, you want to set it up for me before I play that video and then we'll jump in? Sure. Thanks, Tanya. So this actually uh, uh, came out of sustainable conversations when people started sharing their own personal experiences and stories of their own feelings about race or their own racist thoughts, including me, I'm, I'm in the PSA. And then we put it together as a stronger voice rather than just people, you know, each posting videos on, on social media. This is an organized group and EAG, the Episcopal Actors Guild does such good work for a hundred years that they want to expand what they do by um, doing what, what little we can do to help um, uh, fight racism. So awesome. um, this is the PSA that we uh, came up with. Rather than okay. just putting out a statement. So. Well, okay. So, um, so uh, guys, viewers, we're just going to go uh, and check this uh, video out um, because I think it's very helpful. Thank you for suggesting it, Chris. I appreciate you. Sure. All right. Let's see if I got this part right. Oh, I got it correct. Okay. Here we go. Uh, this and that. Let me see. I was five years old, and my older cousin was driving us back yeah. from Six Flags Great Adventure in St. Louis, Missouri. I was nine years old the first time. I was visiting my grandparents in Kentucky for the summer, and I'd gone to the store to get some bubble gum. We had a town park that I worked at for several years as a teenager in the summers. The park had large signs at all the entrances that said, town residents only. And she said to me, when we go to Jones Beach this Sunday, can I take my new friend, Brittany? And I said, yeah, sure. When I was seven years old, my grandpa took my sister and I into an ice cream parlor. I was 23 when I moved to LA and I got on a bus in Hollywood for the first time. And when I looked around me, but we were taught to challenge people within the park who didn't seem to be town residents. And inevitably by example, what we were taught was it would be uh, black people. The next day she comes home with a photo of Brittany and she shows it to me and I froze. Brittany was a very black Nigerian girl. And suddenly the door locked and I woke up. And she said, a bad neighborhood. Everyone on that bus was black, except me. And I felt uncomfortable. And I said to Kelly, I think it may rain on Sunday. The woman behind the counter would not serve us. The white woman at the counter said to me, don't touch that nigger. That was the first time that word was ever said. Grammy took my sister and I back inside, wrapped her cane on the counter and said, we're next. She started crying. She looked at me and said, dad, you don't want Brittany to come because she's black. And I admitted to her in that moment that she was right and that I had to work that out of my system. There's still a lot of work.
Brianna Taylor. Trayvon Martin. Tatiana Jefferson. George Floyd. Alberta Sproul. Elijah McLean. Eric Garner. The Central Park Five. Ahmad Arbery. Philando Castile. Amadou Diallo. Rodney King. Emmett Till. The Fiscal Actors Guild is a not-for-profit organization comprised of actors, singers, dancers, and those who celebrate their talent. Based in New York City since 1923, we assist performing artists in need, providing financial aid, helping to pay rent, a utility bill, a medical bill, providing groceries from our actors' pantry. The AG has been helping for almost 100 years, and we want to do more. We know that social injustice and systemic racism still exist, so we are taking a stand. Because there's still a lot of work to be done. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are EAG, and we stand with Black Lives Matter. That is fabulous. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Let me see. Are we back up? Everybody's back up. Okay. All right. Good. So, so thank you for uh, for that. Um, I think it's very helpful. Um, and to see so many diverse people sharing their uh, truth, as we say. Absolutely. So, um, so I would like to go into what each of you um, do. Um, you know, sustainable conversations in the center, um, and. Um, and I'm trying to think if I would like first um, to see what your personal experiences were first um, before I go into that. So what what was anybody having an experience of color, um, their first experience of realizing that they were a person of color or were not a person of color? Because um, I'd like to see how that plays into what you do uh, now. I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I grew up in Hawaii, so I grew up in a very diverse community where actually um, the minority is actually white people. Uh, so it's unusual dynamic. But I also grew up in a very military community, so I experienced discrimination early on. Um, there was only one biracial family uh, that we knew of, the Wilsons, that were black and white, and they were military, and we played with them. And I never became incredibly aware of color um, until I was in elementary school and I realized that I was um, being put down by other people's parents mm -hmm. um, and all that. But as a kid growing up in Hawaii, we played with everyone. So it was never an issue until it became an issue. Now, I'm fast forwarding to, to, to um, LA because that's, you know, when I talk about being on that bus, because that's when it actually hit me that mm -hmm. I had these feelings about black people that I wasn't sure where it came from. And for me, it came from media um, because there, was, there wasn't a big black community in Hawaii, hardly any, I mean, really back then. Um, and so my, my um, misperceptions of black people, the minute I was on the bus and looked around and in that moment, I stopped 
because you know these all intercut it doesn't say everything that i was feeling or thought in that moment i thought well why do you feel uncomfortable or afraid everyone's just going to work just like you chris hmm. and i had to stop and look at that so hmm. that was the beginning of the work for me hmm. and then i lived in la during rodney king and the riots and all that really fueled my my desire to to do the work to to look at myself and my own prejudice and understand what it might feel like to be in someone else's skin. And Rodney King actually affected me greatly. Not what everybody thinks, oh, you know, the video is horrible, but I also had police brutality against me a year before. So when I saw that video, right away I thought, oh my God, and I was tased and everything. I was tased three times because I was angry. But I thought in that moment, seeing Rodney King, I thought if I was a black man, I might not be alive today. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Wow. And then it took a lot of work. You know, it takes a constant, as you all know, it takes, it's work. It's constant work. You know, being very conscious of who you are and who other people are and what other people's experiences are, aren't your experiences or aren't mine anyway. So, yeah. yeah thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Chris, I mean, I, I can attest to one thing that kind of keeps me going with sustainable conversation is when I look and see the possibilities, like, I, I mean, Chris and I have sort of, I've, I've just been in the process, we've been in the trenches. So I see the value of doing the work. You know, the conversations we're having now are not the conversations we were having a year ago. And just, it, 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 it sort of encourages me that it's possible on a larger scale because what he's saying about the media, um, I started sustainable conversations with the belief if anybody comes to me and tells me that they are not like prejudice, I don't, we can't even have conversation. That's, we got to start with a baseline. You cannot live in America and tell me, oh, I don't have a, I don't see color. I, I, I don't have a racist bone in my body. It's not possible. I, I I believe this because I think about the terror I feel when I go to certain neighborhoods and I'm black. The media bombardment is so intense yes. that there's no escaping it. So the best thing we can do, and this sort of motivated me to start sustainable conversation is like face it, let's mm -hmm. get at it and 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 move through it let's not pretend anymore that it just doesn't exist and everything mm -hmm. you know not to attack but to create a safe space where we can say okay i got some work to do mm. all of us right you know let's let's just let's just do it and i appreciate what robin's doing because so often whites come in to help us right. instead of help themselves Right. And so as I research the work that you're doing, I can't help but applaud it because it, 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 that's not necessarily, you know, the help we need is, is what are you guys, what's the internal work? You know, what are you going to face on your, we can give you information and that's what I'm here for. Valid information. But what's, what's, what's your work? 
but that, this is all our problem, right? I mean, yeah. some people still believe that racism or structural or systemic racism is just a black. No, it's all, if you're born in America, it is your problem. Yeah. And it's whether you're adding to that or subtracting. Yeah. And everyone's at a different playing level of the work. Everyone's at different levels. And some are right up front. You know, they're in the front lines mm. having to deal with it their whole lives. And they're yeah. very aware of mm. what is. And there are people that are, you know, just becoming aware of it or you know, maybe it's a generational thing, but they're not as aware. But they're being aware of it now and they're trying to learn. You know, and that, that's what Helena Joyce is saying about sustainable conversations that, you know, um, people have come a long way, you know, and I get excited to see that when someone has a breakthrough. And they're like, they have that aha moment, mm. like, oh, okay, I get it now. Right. Why, why can't, why don't, why is colorblind wrong? Why is saying that wrong? Why is saying all lives matter? Why is that wrong? Well, let me tell you why. Mm. And then when they get it, you know, again, everybody's at different levels of the work. Um, it, it's, it's great to see someone becoming more aware you know, mm. of what Absolutely. part they're playing in this. Absolutely. Wow. Um, well, that's amazing. So, um, um, what, and what's your uh, your role, uh, Chris? Because well, Robin, I want you to tell me about the center as well. well. I'm there to control Helena Joyce. Which is because again, out of line. Helena Joyce, right, right? Always right, never wrong. So that's, that's, right. that's about right. That's about right. That's no, right. It's like, I'm, I'm the moderator. I'm the moderator. So this is Helena Joyce's baby. Which right. Has brought so much to the AG and and Karen Lehman Fosters, right. and I'm there to just keep people on topic. And keep the conversation going and stay on track. Again, it means so much more when people are sharing from a personal space, mm -hmm. when it's a personal experience and story, rather than just a political opinion. Because then that just leads to what you see all the time on on forums and people just you're not listening to each other, no. you know. And it, with with this forum, as as you know, Tanya, just people truly listening and learning from one another. That's that's my hope always. So. Well, thank but you. I'm, I'm the moderator. So. You're a great moderator. Thank great moderator. thank you. So, Thank you. So, so I kind of messed up and didn't let uh, you finish answering the question. Sorry about that, Robin uh, and Helena. So I'll let you finish answering the question. And then I'll ask you each what you do. Um, and Chris, you gave me yours. So um, uh, whomever would like to lead the way <laughs> on that one, I apologize. Um, did, did you have more to say, Helena Joyce? No, no, I'll piggyback. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, I am going to hedge and say I think I'm somewhat typical of white people, so please don't judge. But typical of white people, I really, really did not get that I was white until way late. Um, I did grow up in a Quaker family. I'm very grateful for that because my parents did teach me and my sisters that you know, racism is a problem and we have to be against it. And that right there is more than a lot of white kids I know learned. However, um, I, although I knew that I was not a person of color, it really was not until I got involved with the Center for the Study of White American Culture, where I work now, it really wasn't until I got involved there in about the year 2000 that I really got it that, well, it's not just that I'm not a person of color, it's that I'm white. <laughs> Hello, I, I, I am all white. I have always been white, always been, you know, and this matters hugely in who I am, what my experiences have been, what the conditions that I live in are, you know, just everything is impacted by that. So, um, so yeah, it was, it, it was late in life that I found out what race I am. Mm. Wow. Wow. But 
you're right that, and I say this to my black friends because they get so upset. You know, why are white people, you know, they, I don't get upset because I think if I were white, I would be clueless too. I just truly don't think I would have been walking around. I had black friends, white friends, all kinds of friends. Uh, we were all pretty much at that point on the same level. I just don't think that I would have been sitting around pondering my disadvantaged white friends if the situation were reversed. <laughs> right. And, and so I, that's this the grace that I extend. I can easily do that because I don't think I would have really been thinking mm -hmm. about how different things were for somebody else and i think that sometimes if we could approach it it makes it easy for me to be in conversations in here without my skin being so you know there's enough that we're going to have to deal with but if, if i go into it already you know perks for attack i i don't i don't find space to have any real meaningful conversation either somebody's gonna walk away feeling very guilty and 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 shamed or something mm. which that's not really my problem or what i'm i'm just wanting to be in a conversation where i can hear what i need to hear mm -hmm. to, to respond appropriately but if i'm already deciding how i'm going to feel about every situation i'm going to have a lot of dishonest conversations and i do not like that because i have so many white friends who terrified of saying the wrong thing that nothing's getting said right so and I, I really i very much appreciate that that graciousness and i agree with you that if we're going to have sustainable conversations we need to not go in set to attack like you said right. um, i think it's important to be aware that uh society our our white supremacist society has a very strong invested interest in white people not knowing about their identity not paying attention to that you know right. not looking yeah at, you know, the emperor has no clothes kind of thing. And that's mm -hmm. why we're seeing this this craziness around the country of of the reaction against the supposed teaching of, of, of uh, critical race theory mm -hmm. um, in, in our schools, because that's beginning to, you know, point out that the emperor has no clothes. And <laughs> parents, you know, white, white parents and teachers and people are just going crazy. We can't have that. We can't have white kids knowing about whiteness. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... That critical race theory, whew, you should try it out in Westchester. It is something else that you would think they would said that they're going to uh, sell all their kids or something. <laughs> You're like, wait, right. what? It's, it's and become so weaponized, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's yeah. Weaponized. That's not what it was. It's not what it is. And now, you know, again, politically, people just take it and, and make it into a weapon and people buy into it instead oh. of like looking at finding out what it is. Well, what is critical race theory? Do people really know what the right. five tenets are of it? They need to. Yeah, exactly. They don't take the time to to educate themselves. You yeah. know, it's it's crazy. But um, uh, what what I wanted to go into was uh, what you each do. Um, so if uh, whoever would like to start, um, um, you know, I, I want to know about your organization because my audience doesn't know. So I'd like for them to know. And that's why I had you on the show, because I want more people. To, I'm like, why isn't this in droves? Like your site should be shut down right now because. This is what we need, like everybody. But I keep forgetting that some people don't want to know, mm. right? 
And then there's the ones who want to, but they got no clue. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can like and share this uh, video. I don't care where you share it to, just share it, share the podcast, because it's not really about me. I could care less, um, but it's about somebody out there needs the information because um, they're clueless and they need to get the clue. Uh, so I appreciate you if you can if you can share. So if, if it's okay with Robin and Helen, I'll go first because I pretty much already said it. So I'll be real quick and fast. Um, again, the PSA I think really describes who EAG is, Episcopal mm -hmm. Hackers Guild in New York City. Sometimes people hear Episcopal and they get turned off because they're Christian. And you guys, right. you know, I'm an ag agnostic. I'm almost atheist at this point. But yeah. it's about all faiths and none. That's right. what EAG supports. They support performers in need. So that PSA describes everything about what EAG has been doing for 100 years now, mm -hmm. this year, 100 years. But also, um, since George Floyd, it was really Karen Lehman Foster, the executive director, said, you know, we need to do something. And rather than just put out a statement, which so many other organizations and, and uh, unions did, we mm -hmm. wanted to do more than that because we're serious. We also required DI training once a year for the council and staff. Now, this is a not-for-profit organization. They're not employees, but that's something that, that we do. Um, I write an article called DIY with DEI every month for our membership. The membership's about 600 people. And just so people can have their own self-education and self-awareness on, on all things DEI. And we always recommend something to read, watch, and to learn. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to backtrack a little bit about what Robin was saying about being white. There's a great film called Whitewashed. I think you've all seen it. Mm -hmm. I yeah, highly yeah. recommend that to everyone. Because it, that people forget that white is a race, but that also race is a made-up thing. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah. So I think the PSA really describes to a T who EAG is. It mm -hmm. makes very clear what we stand for. And part of um, just to, to finish off, you know, uh, I picked the top uh, the title EAG Hearts Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter itself can be controversial because of the organization. Mm -hmm. um, it's a slogan, mm -hmm. and it's just Black Lives Matter. And that was the intent with the PSA that Black Lives Matter. And that's what EAJ stands behind. So, Got it. Thank you. Thank you. For Not the that. movement. Right. 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 You know, yeah. Right. I totally get it. Because uh, people are confused and they just like to mush things up. Yeah. <laughs> Make a little mince pie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mince pie. I did not say that. I did not know that. It's important. I wasn't even in that part of the clip, interestingly. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. oh, <laughs> I, was, okay. I was like, oh, wow, how fortuitous that was. Because the organization and 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 the belief are, are two totally different things. Okay. Okay. So thank you for clarifying for us, for sure. Um, so who wants to go next? Um, you do. Okay, sure. Um, when I went to Karen Lehman Foster, who was going to be patched into the conversation mm -hmm. after the George Floyd incident, mm -hmm. murder, right? <laughs> um, I uh, I was invited to these panels and all these you know talks, and I would sit there and I'd get so frustrated. I've shared this with Chris. Mm -hmm. I say, yeah. I would go in and you know you know blacks were outraged and speaking about it and, and and whites would you know you know have have the the the, the look of a you know stunned deer like a, for some people it was the first time it was just like a thrashing on every level mm -hmm. and i i understood it i was learning myself you know because i 
did grow up in what some might consider privilege, but it was every black person I knew privilege. So right. it, 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 it was not a special case situation. It was, uh, that was my reality. And so when I was hearing other blacks talk about, you know, how rough it had been, uh, and you know, how mistreated they've been. And I'd never, you know, I never been called nigger. I had never, you know, it was just not part of my reality. So I was taking in information as well. And just the way I'm wired, part of me was like, okay, let me, let me walk in someone else's shoes for a minute. If I'm feeling this, not to make the feelings go away, but just to try to give it some uh, understanding or just to try to say, okay, how long can you keep doing this and have it be sustainable? Right. So, so, so my interest was in a conversation that I didn't want to be involved in that because I didn't see it as sustainable. I didn't even really necessarily see it as, I, I didn't know how helpful it was because people will kind of, you know, listen and pat you on the back and, you know, and then run away, not just walk away. Not, not, not There was no stick and stay in that conversation. It was just going to be a beating and a thrashing and a beating. And how long could that be sustained? Mm. My interest going to Karen was in a conversation where we'd be uncomfortable and truthful and that we would get a chance to, in a safe space, confront racist things that have not make you a bad person it makes you a, per, a misinformed person mm -hmm. but if we could just find that place then maybe we could start having some honest truthful conversations black whites asians everybody we've touched on a lot of things mm -hmm. you know some, some some you know internal racist thoughts and um and that was what drove me to create this uh, i don't necessarily want er everybody's not supposed to leave the conversation feeling good and right. you know joyful and kumbaya ish um but at least if we could just have some level of honesty and transparency maybe i am racist what can i do about it um, then I would find that to be a worthwhile conversation. And I do push it because we yes, all she have does. <laughs> Yes, she does. <laughs> Some of the so we pick one topic every month, specific topic, so that it doesn't go all over the place, right? Because racism is just, it's just too much, right? So we pick something specific like right. CRT or the N-word or colorism. And uh, yeah, right. we, yeah, some of the topics that, we picked it. Yeah, they're they're yeah, but it's good because it makes people really, really think. No, sorry. Yep. Yeah. No. So that that was that was how I brought I I write and 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 you know and so I'm an observer of life and and I thought I would be a good person for this because my life was just so very interesting. I didn't know that traveling around would be helpful. I didn't know that having a mom at the United Nations was going to be useful to me one day. I didn't know that, you know, all these pieces would give me a perspective 
that was actually helpful to hear different points of view and have a really different point of view that I could share. Um, and then studying, you know, doing my PhD work that I, that I did have to stop, but doing it at Cal in African-American studies was also helpful because I got exposed to a lot of information that I normally might not have. And mm. I get to bring that into the conversation as well. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so you are an authority of sorts on that. Oh, sure. on that yeah. As are every person walking. As, yes. Yeah. Yes. But, but I think it's extra um, things going on that helps. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, anybody, I, I've noticed that. I think that it does help to have a breadth of experience that you can kind of just hear something different from what everybody else every is. other black person may hear. Some, you know, we have a way of listening and hearing, and and it's it's frustrating sometimes because it's like that's why America is where we are. We just simply are all in over here or all in over there. And when I was researching to segue into Robin, I was willing and wanting to do the conversation because it just I just was nervous that it was just going to be this liberal conversation that can be also very maddening. And I really did appreciate the approach that it was not necessarily, it was just let's learn. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And th and that's why I thought you guys were a perfect yeah, match. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I I checked out all levels yeah. of the personalities and yeah. said, oh, this is like a match made in heaven. Yeah, so it is because it's straight. You know, let's look at it. Well, exactly. and with all three of us with in sustainable conversations, we come from really very I mean, Helena Joyce is the conservative. I mean, I can say that, right? Would you agree? And I know I don't agree, but I mean, y'all are so far over there that I look hella conservative. Karen, Karen, Karen far left. This one sort of right. I'm, I'm more moderate liberal, but you know, but but it's good because that's what we need, right? When you can really have a conversation and, and right, they they can't, you know, like when I set up, like I was born raised Republican, they're like, wait, drop the stop. <laughs> Stop, everybody. Stop. <laughs> that just meant something different. It just, right. But go ahead, Robin, you please jump in. Chris digressed. Yes. Okay. Um, I know China's got her eye on the clock, so I'll I try know. to be uh, short and sweet here. Um, the Center for Study of White American Culture was born in 1995 out of the understanding of something that Chris was saying earlier, that racism is about everybody. Everybody in this country is involved in it. And yet a lot of the time, especially for white people, it's regarded as, oh, that's something that people of color got to deal with. That's over there. That's their problem. Too bad for them. But um, the center knows that um, actually it's a lot about white culture, white people, white history. And so um, we do trainings and consulting work to help educate people about the whiteness piece of it. That's that's the main one arm of our work. The other arm that goes with it is the building multiracial anti-racist community. That's something that we are very visionary about. Said, so, okay, if we're going to leave racism behind, where are we going to go? Well, what we want to get to is a, a society where the center is not white people and whiteness, where the center is multiracial anti-racist community. We actually have a conference coming up in June, uh, Father's Day weekend. We'll be doing a conference on that topic. Mm. So how do the uh, workshops help move people into action? 
Well, you know, for, I to take classes and they say this and they say that, but we want to see results. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, for one thing, it, 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 it borrows from the same idea as sustainable conversation that, first of all, people need to be able to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And generally in our society, people can't, don't, mm -hmm. don't know how to. So the workshops, for one thing, they, they you know, help provide people with the tools and the language and the concepts and the analysis and the, and the just the realization that, okay, you're not going to explode and you're not going to turn into a racist by talking about racism. So that's that's one thing. And then also as, as people are exposed in the workshops to the actual history of racism and the current situation, you know, what's happening to people of color around the world now, um, you know, what happens is that your humanity surfaces. You, you begin to realize, wait a minute, I care about this and I, I can't have this. And if you're a white person who never paid attention to it or never thought it was your problem, you start to find out that, well, actually, I am implicated in this and it is harming me, too. And these are powerful motivators to say, you know what, let me find out what I can do. I cannot just sit here anymore. Mm. Wow. Tanya, and I want to ask that question um, because... I do also um, ask, what would the motivation be? Like, what would the, like, besides just being a, a good person, like, what, what, what is the hook? I mean, like, I don't know what, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm a do. white person, what's going to yes. make me care about racism? How that's that's the sixty-four million dollar question. <laughs> I know our time is short, but so I'm going to reiterate: racism is harmful to white people. You can come to one of our workshops, and we'll break that down and show you how uh, you know spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, physically, you are harmed by participating in the oppressor role in a white supremacist society. Beyond that, there's that amazing book Heather McGee wrote, "The Sum of Us." Some yes. in SUM, the sum of us mm. that that breaks it down in, in incredible mm. detail about how racism is damaging our whole society economically. We're we're harming ourselves. She gives these great details, like how in communities where the where they are integrated, the mm. pollution is less. I forget how she explains how that happens, but communities that are more segregated, where the white people are keeping to their, you know, superior selves, we have more pollution. <laughs> no, how is that a good thing? So it, it, it behooves all of us to mm. be working together in a multiracial anti-racist community. Mm, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's what we need to <laughs> highlight. Because yes. if we can get that part in there hmm. yes i agree white people need to know we will actually be better off better. it's been drilled into us that yeah. that the good life is being the white person at the top of the heap that's not it's not the good life the better life is being part of that multiracial community Mm. Robin, you in the center is doing really great work. Yeah. Yes. Really oh, that's a, you haven't even got the half of it. No, <laughs> no, I, I, had to, I had to ask you this because um, I remember we were talking once on some panel uh, and, and um, I forgot how it became up. Like, well, white women are not responsible if their husband was slave owners or whatever. And you answered with something um, that um, how they played a role in actually helping slavery or helping this narrative of privilege go on. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, Stephanie Jones Rogers wrote this amazing book. Um, mm. um, oh, I'm not sure if I can get the title, but it's all about the white women who mm. enslaved people. It wasn't that their husband owned mm. African people. It was the white woman. She mm. was the owner, the enslaver, and mm. she did not necessarily treat the people she owned with kindness. Mm. It's a whole book. Um, they were her property. That's the name of the book. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll look into that. Um, that, but that, that's, and I'll only mention that piece because some people say, and I've had friends, you know, white friends and, and black friends say things, and I'm like, what? Uh, but they've said things like, well, what do I have to do with my ancestors? And why do, why am I a part of this? I'm not a racist. This has nothing to do with me. And, and I keep saying over and again, it's like, and I'm, I'll just send your link. Please take the class. Please go to Sustainable Compensations. Just please go. Just go and just come back in about six months after you've attended. And then we'll talk because that's the only time we can have dialogue. We can't have dialogue if you don't even see what the problem is, right? Uh, and, and they're sweet. They're kind to me. But I know that there's issues, you know. Um, how do you fix... Um, how do you fix people like this? The big question for each of you is children. How do we teach children uh, about this? Um, that's a big thing. That's one thing that I love the, the center for and sustainable. I love you for this because if you're a parent and you're in sustainable conversations, you're going to go back and figure out, let me see how I can break this down to my kid. You know, so I appreciate it. I know you know this, Tanya. We offer a workshop on raising anti-racist white children, but which is also a, an excellent education for raising any child of any race to be anti-racist. That's coming up in March. It's going to be fabulous. Uh, Helena Joyce, you want to chime in on that? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know because um, I always felt, I don't really know how my parents did it, but I tried to do what my parents did. I feel good about myself. I feel wonderful about my people. Um, and that's not with blinders on. <laughs> right. And so when I'm around young people, I found that's the best message I can give. Um, I'm not, I try not to have a chip on my shoulder. I examine things people are saying. I'm not, you know, uh, you know, super sensitive. And, and I, I do have information. And I think that one of the things my parents did, and we can do this for the next generation, mm -hmm. is they told me, they taught me to think, and they taught me about Africa. And so when I walk through the earth, I walk a little different, you know, it, I don't feel less, I don't yeah. feel anybody have to apologize. You know, and I've run into it. I see the racism, but I don't, you know, I, I have a choice of what I'm going to buy into. And and I do try with my children, my grandchildren, to have them see that as an example, as a way to carry yourself through life and not apologize and embrace who you are and what God gave you and celebrate it. And when I run into problems, deal with it. Right. That's a good way to have it. Uh, so, and that's the thing about it is like, because I, one of my friends with the Christopher Columbus statues, they wanted them knocked down. And she was like, well, why are they going to knock down? You know, he's, you know, he did a lot for Italians, blah, 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 blah. And she was just going in on, I was like, girl, stop. First of all, <laughs> stop. Because we're not going to go into the real story. Uh, I, I don't need to tell you the real story. I'm sure if you just do your own research, you don't even need everybody else's research. Do your own research. You're going to find out he didn't discover nothing. Okay, uh, but Tanya, can I ask you, do you think tearing down all the statues is really like, 
Like I, 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 oh, no, I, no, no, no. I don't want it. I don't care if. I, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay, I thought I mute. So I don't care if they tear it down or don't tear it down. That that does that's. But just I, know I, the story. Yeah, I I totally get what I, I get why some people say uh whatever. I don't really care because to me it was a waste of money anyway. You never worship any man, in my opinion. That's <laughs> my personal opinion. I would never do a statue of anybody, including my dad. I wouldn't do. It doesn't make sense because we're human and we make mistakes all the time. So Absolutely. what happens in two hundred years when you find out that I made a mistake? 150 years ago, now the statues. So to me, it's a waste of money. That's my well, personal opinion. However, I would like a statue of me, you know, put up at one <laughs> Well, so. we might make an exception. We might. Yes. But you know what I'm saying? I get the point that it's just a tangible thing. Who cares? Uh, it's the it's the lesson around it, and that's more important than the actual thing. So I'm not I'm one of those that's like, yeah, Terry, I would like, like certain things, I, yeah, I'd like to see them tearing down. Uh, certain people, like if it was like, Hitler in the middle of a square. Yeah, I don't think I want to see his face every day. I walk. I'll probably just cover it up with a scarf. But that's so it depends what it is. But I'm not. I'm not one of those. I'm not on the bandwagon of any of that. I'm in the bandwagon of um, who's out here trying to do something. And where are they? Can I find them? Can I can I get them on here? That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to be. Uh, yeah. That's, at the end of the day, and we'll get to the end um, and talk about solutions. That's all we want. Solutions. What can I do to be a better person so that when I see Robin, I'm not scared. Oh, that's just crazy. You know why? And one thing I love about um, London, I got to say, and, and I'm only in this part because there's other parts. I know there's other issues, but this one little section that I'm in, um, well, first of all, everybody's mixed. So that's probably why it's like this. But that's the one thing I have not seen. I walked into a store and uh, the lady's pocket was sitting there and she didn't grab it. Now in America, y'all know she would have jumped on that thing, went down, get the bag, get the bag. Or if her little kids was walking by, she would snatch them kids up like, oh, get away from her, get away. I've had that happen to me at a high-end health club. And I was like, if I'm a member, do you think I want your kids? Like, that doesn't sound, that doesn't make sense. But that's the kind of thing I was dealing with. And, and that's just me, not even, I didn't even care. I was laughing at it, honestly. But in truth, it still hurts that someone thinks that, they're going to grab their kids because they think I want the them. nerve. I know, I'm right? Too, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, I'm, I love my kids. I don't need it anymore. Um, but here, <laughs> I have not, I've had the, I had kids coming up to me in the playground, two-year-olds, four-year-olds, platinum blonde saying, hey, um, you want to play? Um, Because my grandson's so cute. That's why. But uh, it's not me. It's him. Uh, but, you know, they're like, you want to play? And the mother's like, yeah, just chill. No problem. The mother doesn't say, who are you? Where'd you come from? It was it's totally different in America, totally different. And I didn't realize it until I got back out. You know what I'm saying? I've been out before and realized it, uh, you know, when I lived in Paris in the 80s. It was a whole different ballgame. You know what I'm saying? You know Helena Joyce, I'm sure. I'm sure some of you know you traveled. Um, but it's it, that's kind of how I felt like, oh, wait a minute. This is the first week. I didn't have to worry about, like, am I going to get shot by a policeman? Oh, they don't even have guns here. They have guns here, but very few people. And you hear of incidents, but not like, like in the USA. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to worry about my kids going to school and not coming home. You're not going to worry about that. What, what is it that have made the very people who started the whole thing um, chill out and get a, a generation of people that are just like, no, you're a human being. I'm a human being. I had a lady literally say to me, I, she thought I, I thought she jumped, she thought I jumped in front of some, something. I was on the line 
Uh, and I thought she was first. She thought I was first. Oh, no. Wait, my computer is dying. Wait, oh, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Plug it in. Um, I don't know what, but it's plugged in. That's why I'm screaming. Oh, no. Oh, boy. We better wrap it up. If, okay. No, no. I'll be, I'll be back. I'll figure it out. Okay, I'm sorry. That was not supposed to be live. Uh, my okay. Bad. That's okay. Um, so she'll be back in a moment. But the point was that, you know, why some people here are just totally, and they're, they started with the, with the English. I mean, the whole slavery thing and all that stuff. Okay. It started, but now it's like you come here and people are way different. I went to a, a place the other day and everyone, every color under the sun. And yeah, you know, so it's just a pocketbooks laying down here, just with coats there, prams there, scooters there. Nobody's like, oh my God, get your scooter. Why? How did they do it? What did they do? But you know what I know what they did? They had conversations. Because I've listened on some of them and they don't, they're not scared to have a conversation about race. They're not scared to say, yeah, you know, I was a little messed up on that. Yeah. You know, they're not scared to say that. And yeah. that may be the key. Um, so, so Robin, with that being said, um, I don't even know. Um, do you think racism guys start with um, the environment, family? What is it? Because right now it's exhausting me. <laughs> it's, it's exhausting to deal with racism. So exhausting. I don't know how you guys stay charged up. I really don't. I just, I'm trying to. Well, having conversations with other people who care about it and know about it, that's part of how I stay charged up. So like okay. this right here. Okay. Um, and I, I am not very much of a historian, but what I have learned at the center um, mm -hmm. is that generally it's, it's, agreed upon that the history started in the United States with the colonies, with the elite white leaders in the colonies who hit upon this strategy that, you know, they were going to just stay at the top of the hierarchy and they created this divide and conquer strategy. And the, the point of division was race. That did not exist beforehand. People did not you know, see each other as being of different races before this happened in the colonies. But, yes. but that's, what, that's what took place is that they yes. said, look, you got this group of people that have white skins and we are the better ones. We're the superior right. ones and everybody else is underneath us. Right. Well, so, we talked about that with the with the art, and uh, if you go look at some of the artwork on, around the country, not in America, I don't know why they hide this stuff. I've been looking at artwork, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, that's somebody black in China. And there's like, they'll tell you about the black Chinese. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you know the black Russians. Like, there's so many things that people were. It would be like me and Chris were hanging out, and I, you know, he has his crown on, I have my crown on, and I have gold. He has gold. There was no like, Chris, I'm better than you, and Chris, like, you're better than me. It was just people. I mean, you see literally paintings, famous mm -hmm. paintings of mm -hmm. kings and kings hanging out, and they were all colors, and no one looked in the picture shook like, you know, no one. And so, with that being said, we know there was a time where. You're a human being, I'm a human being. And then, like you said, Robin, at some point, someone said, wait a minute, hold up. Mm -mm. Yeah. And that's when it just became a thing. And then it became it became a frenzy in the media. Well, well actually, historically, we can thank Portuguese for that. I was, ju I was just about yeah, to say, actually. Uh, yeah. um, yes. Gomez mm -hmm. de Surara mm -hmm. so, uh, is the person talk. that was we can thank him. Mm. He is mm. the person who he was um, charged with 
creating a basis by which slavery could be justified for Christianity's sake. And 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 you might be familiar. You're familiar with John Bywin? Um, John Bywin, that sounds familiar. John Bywin, Robin. John Bywin is doing some very interesting work on white people. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's a yeah. journalist, the journalist. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he does a he does a he does a piece on on that being brought yes. to him as well so right. it's a very i found that fascinating and started doing research on it as as i tend to do um yeah so it, it was very much a social construct and mm -hmm. a way to justify the mistreatment of blacks and to justify the monies that that it was just greed and a way to justify that greed. But I also do point out, because studying history, you know, that long arc, when I put to other people that if you believe anything about reaping and sowing, mm -hmm. then Blacks enslaved first. And somehow that is a much diff more difficult conversation for Blacks and blacks enslaved whites or Jews because mm -hmm. blacks are Africans. And for whatever reason, we need to separate Africa from Egypt, but it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the whole of one's history, that's mm -hmm. why we look at this moment in time like it's the only moment in time. Mm -hmm. But there is something to reaping and sowing. And so if you study history truthfully and just objectively, mm -hmm. then we're not the innocent victims of all this. I mean, you got to look at the whole thing. Doesn't right. make it right. Doesn't make it right now. Right, right. It just means we need to look at, be able to look at our role in all of history. And I'm all, and even challenge whites. Sometimes it's more difficult for them to see themselves as having been a slave than right. it is having been the enslaver and that's interesting to me right right no oh, wow um so much to this i mean you could we could do like a two-hour special on this because it's, it's that much um but i know yes. uh, some of you are on a time deadline so i apologize uh the time just fl flicks us so quick um that i just always say are you it's ending now are you serious um but think about your final points as I reintroduced um, director of AIG, um, uh, Karen, thank you so much for, for chiming in with us. We appreciate you. Um, Our fearless leader. Yes, yes. That is she. So we're just catching up on what we all do and, you know, uh, racism. Uh, anything you want to chime in on? Um, I know you. Uh, time is of the essence for you, Helen and Joyce, too, and Chris. Uh, I know I'm you good. all. It's, a, it's all on you. I, okay, good. So, I cleared it. Yes. All right. So, um, Karen, I'll need to take off in a couple of minutes. I don't mean to be rude, but um, yes. I'm so glad I got to be here. Well, I did you have a final Robin. point, uh, Robin? Did you wanted to just rest before you leave? Um, any workshops coming up? I'll put the link uh, in after after before we leave. So sure. Put it up. 
uh, we have transforming white organizational culture. So mm -hmm. if you belong to any institutions or organizations, come out for that in February and March is raising anti-racist white children. Okay. And I just want to say that it's so important to talk about racism. People say talking about racism is divisive, but mm -hmm. you need to understand, no, racism is divisive. That was there first. Mm -hmm. Talking about it is okay. the only way that we're going to you know, get anywhere in solving the problem. Absolutely. Well, thank Thanks you. Thanks for the extra words. And um, I'm going to back off and head out soon. But thank you so okay. much. I, well, appreciate Robert, I hope you will join us on our one of our sustainable conversations. That would that would be yes. awesome for me. Monday, yes. January 30th, Monday at seven o'clock. Yes. Uh, EST. Yeah. Yes, that would be awesome. Great to see you, Robin. Yes. Thank you, Robin. So um, guys, uh, just to update you, uh, that's uh, Robin Alpern. And, and I'm sorry, Malison. Albert, correct. Uh, and um, you, we appreciate you taking the time to come uh, because I know you guys are all very busy, um, but the work you're doing is amazing. And like, I think like the world needs to know about it. Like, um, I agree. Just, I just can't understand. Um, CBS, where are you when we need you? Like, really? Because uh, that's, it needs to be that, that level. I'm serious. It really does. Because um, how many people are really doing something? Everybody's just chattering, but that's, that chattering doesn't nothing. You all have actual solutions um, and you're doing something toward those solutions. That's big. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you very much. Um, and you teach me to be a better, less racist person. Oh. <laughs> Not racist, prejudiced person. Because I don't think I could be racist, but is that true? Is that, you heard that stereo before, that stereotype? I cannot be racist because I'm black. What do you think? Oh boy, I have to leave. But <laughs> in my view, in my view, the important thing here is that racism, sorry, racism is a system. It's not about personal. It's not about individual. It's a system. In the system, it's a one-way system. In the system, white people are at the top and are the oppressors with privilege. People of color are the uh, oppressed. So in that system, who do you think the racists are? Hmm. As I see it, there's, and that doesn't mean that you're an individually bad person if you're a white person. It just means that you occupy the role of someone who's in the, you know, oppressor role in the system. Hmm. That's but what then it gets complicated if you actually are someone that actually supports a policymaker or lawmaker that keeps that system in place and you're a person of color. So that's where for me, it gets complicated. You so are for correct. Me, I say, no, a person of color can't be racist because it's otherwise it gets into a big fight. Mm -hmm. But can everybody hate? Absolutely, which Absolutely. is sad. We don't want anybody to hate, but everybody can hate. But there's a long thing about that. You talk about the sheriff in um, in Milwaukee, stuff like that, or, right. you know, Herschel Walker. You go, mm -hmm. well, these are people that are keeping that system in place. They're keeping those policies in place. Right. You That's correct. So yep. I do know what you're saying. And yeah. then it just comes down to titles and labels, but that's a whole long conversation, which you probably had, we should have for sustainable conversations sometimes. Yes. Yeah, yes. let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Robin. Good to see you, Robin. But, uh, in the meantime, thank you. Bye. That was Robin. Thank you so much. You guys, um, I'll leave the link at the end for her classes. Uh, and you can always, always inbox me for any information for any. I, I would like to get the name of the book that I, I didn't have my yes. pen handy. Yes, the sum of uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get that from her. I'll okay. get it from her. Okay. Um. So so Karen, um, welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, and um, uh, we were talking about um, 
things like the first time we experience racism and what the center does and uh, well, what, what Robin Center does and what sustainable conversation does, um, sustainable conversations does as far as um, helping people get a better insight um, and start taking responsibility. So if you'd like to chime in on something, please uh, be my guest. Well, first and foremost, I'm sorry to be coming in right at the end. Um, I can't wait to watch back this entire show and see what I missed um, and learn more about what Robin does. Just just hearing her for a few minutes was was really insightful. Um, I'm sure that Chris and Helena Joyce have already talked about our Sustainable Conversations program, but we just felt that there was a need to continue having conversations mm -hmm. that were open and honest. Um, and that was the only way that we were going to grow. Mm. Um, and we've been doing it now for this summer, it'll be three years. And it wow. feels, um, I can only talk about my perspective as, as a white person on the, on the sustainable conversations, how much I have learned from Chris and Helena Joyce and the other participants that I never really knew. Um, and a lot of that just comes from people being brave and honest and willing to share their situation and their story so that um, we could all have a common understanding of what went on. So it's been really helpful for me. It's been really helpful um, for our organization to do this work. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so glad to be a part of it. And we're glad to know you, Tanya, as a supporter of our, our work. And it's been great. We're so glad that you had us on today. Oh, thank you. Um, and uh, speaking of which, uh, Helen and Joyce, I had a question for you. Um, so you're raised, um, I, I call it a proud girl like me. <laughs> so, you know, there's some people, I'm, I'm just trying to get um, your perspective on this. Uh, and you guys can chime in. Um, so like, you know, you were raised in a very positive um, environment um, to feel good about your brown, right? And so was I, even though I was a foster kid, ironically, uh, mm -hmm. my mother was a civil rights leader, thank God, um, she was on point. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so I have a lot of similar, um, yep. you know, feelings and backgrounds or whatever. Um, and do you think that helps um, in, in, in healing racism, right? So if I come in as an African-American or an Asian or a white person, whatever I am, doesn't matter, um, with a certain um, self-love, I'll call it, right? Um, and not because, not, well, yeah, you are proud. I guess you are proud. You can be proud. Yes, proud is the word, okay. Um, and, and, and I run into someone or someone from somewhere else or something else that I don't know nothing about. Um, wouldn't it make a better conversation? Do you think it makes, do you think that made you have better conversations because you come from a background where you already have your self-worth? So there's nothing no one can take from you by saying, oh, you're brown. Mm -hmm. Because you and I would be like, yeah, we are, right? Kind of lucky that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all, it, and I think back on all the things that maybe might have even been meant to offend me, but, mm -hmm. but absolutely couldn't didn't because I did go you know I mean even in brown skin but cute writing that you know how some people couldn't wrap their heads around it just 
that was shocking for me because right. you know i i didn't desire anything else and how wonderful it would be if we could start putting kids out that it wasn't to take away it's not to take away from anyone else but you can't take away from me either and if you go out in the world like that mm. i think what i experience is different because i go into the world like that right well that's what i'm saying i think yeah. i mean looking in hindsight of all my friends or people that I've met who are racist and who are not racist i'm looking like well they had a certain positive energy about them and nothing could stop that like you can't like even as a kid even as a foster kid you couldn't call me i had people call me the n-word i did have and then well, yeah. two times when i was really young i took offense to it and i did something very very naughty okay i won't tell you what that was but so i was young and stupid as they say mm -hmm. um, but you could never say something like you're brown and dirty or you're ugly and i've heard that said to my other friends and i and i just nudged the girl and i was like girl you don't want to tell you that you yeah, yeah. You know, I'm the ice cream you've never had or something. I don't know, whatever. I'm making that up. But whatever you want to say, you're like, no, you can't say that about me. And that some people say, oh, you're conceited. No, I'm not conceited. It's just that I believe if you feel good about you, at least um, in the general, I'm not saying that I'm pretty. I'm not saying that I'm this, I'm that. It's just as Tanya, as a human being. You know, you know, you know you're pretty. Pretty. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, but seriously, if you feel confident in just your little old self, right, then nothing can come along. Then it's not somebody else's responsibility to at least, like we all come to the table feeling equal. Now we can do some work. Right. So you got to build me up and make right. me feel I'm as good as you. If that, that, that I, I don't know what that, Looks that like is hard because now you got to build this person up and now expect them to feel equal. I don't know how that works. Exactly. It, but but I, I'm just touching on it because I'm just seeing it as a side view that me. No. If we all have confidence, then without not cockiness, this if different. it can start at home, not, I'm better than you. Not that I'm not talking about that. I'm talking that I'm just so, you know, structured in who I am as a human being that nothing can get me off this little rock. Like nothing can get me off the rock. Uh, and that can start with, you know, um, I, I literally talked to a skinhead for an hour on the train. He didn't like it. Um, but for an hour on the train, a Nazi skinhead who had the swastika, his head, his tattoo was the swastika. And mm -hmm. I was so offended by it that I just had to say something. Um, and I did. And he couldn't get off the train for 45 minutes. I forgot what. It was express train. No, it was the train that doesn't stop. So he was not happy with me. But um, but I was talking to him. People were like, aren't you? No. I need to talk to him and find out why. He's, I really want to. I really want to know. It's not because I'm being a jerk. I just really want to know why he thinks that that swastika is a is a great piece of work or whatever he thought it was. He did it on purpose. So I said he wanted attention. I'd like to give him some, but also I just it didn't bother me personally. But for my friends who survived the Holocaust, I was like, mm, I can't be feeling this right now. I, I just didn't like it. But I didn't mind talking to him. But he hated talking to me. He had his friend in third, second and third party say, he doesn't talk to black people. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. I said, well, I'm just going to keep talking then until he- Now, was that here or was that in London? It was in Westchester County was, oh. on a Metro North train about mm, 15 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. About 15, Good for ago. you. 
Yeah, yeah. And I just kept, well, the whole train clapped because, and and actually there was a Holocaust survivor on the train who was sitting there in total anxiety. Oh. You could see it in her face. I was like, okay, she's about, I don't know how old. And I could see her face. She was totally, you, you, you could just feel the eeriness. As soon as he walked on, everyone was like this. And I was like, oh, well, this is a bold move in the Westchester train, like really in the daylight, like what's up with this guy? So I just like, oh, excuse me. I just want to know what that symbol would represent on your head. And and I just, you know me, part 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 comedian, but the real part was that I felt confident to, to say whatever I wanted to say him in a nice, respectful way. And I didn't mind if he told me that he didn't like brown people because I like brown people. So I didn't care. That wasn't a, it wasn't like, what? You don't like brown? It wasn't, I could care less. Right. I just want to know what you're thinking. Can you just share that with me? Even if you're thinking, I'd like to kill you. Okay, fine. Just tell me why. Give me a reason why. And then from there, but he didn't want, he didn't want to have no dialogue. But I'm just saying, I think when we come in any relationship with um, just the confidence in being who we are as a human being, just that, um, then if my friend, like when I went to school, when I went to NYU, there was girls in my class who were oh, called the upper elite, whoever, and had way more, whatever, I guess that would be. Um, and uh, the girl said to me, oh, you don't feel intimidated? And I said, why would I feel intimidated? She's like, well, because of such a, no, girl, no, I am, I am the best thing since Swiss cheese. Your mama didn't tell you, uh, you know, so it, it just, and she, and she was like, what, how could the, she said to me, how do you feel that confident with all the people that are racist? And that, I've had people say that to me, like, don't you feel, no, don't put that on me, girl. Mm -mm, don't put that on me. I feel great about me. Now let's work on you. <laughs> you know, uh, I just think it helps. And I just was wondering from your standpoint, because you you grew up in a very um, confident home, and you're, uh, you know. Nope, I think it can't. It would, Robin asked that question earlier, and I, or you asked it, and Robin, I'm saying we were talking. What the best thing we can do for the next generation mm -hmm. is to to you know get okay here, you know, mm -hmm. and then if somebody slips and says something and has a human error and. You know, I, I don't have to be so raw that people can't talk to me. You know what I mean? I I, it, I let people have their problems. I have mine. Right. <laughs> and, right. and then you can just afford them grace without, I, I don't know, because it's very difficult to have certain conversations if you're so worried about saying the wrong thing, messing up. Right. I, I, I love relationships I've cultivated with my with my white friends because stuff gets real. You know, yeah. things are said and but I know their heart. And I know that, you know, because I don't feel that way about me, even if something is said in a moment, it is not internalized. I don't have to I don't have to lash out. And right. so it gives room for things to grow and evolve without people being trying to say all the right things to me all the time because they're worried about, you know. So it's good if you could send your kids out like that. I applaud my parents. I don't know how they made me just believe these wonderful things about me. On <laughs> 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 what all was going on, they right. did an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, no, you said that right, especially during the uh, Jim Crow and all those mm, eras. Mm. Yes, I, I just, I thank God for the 60s because I couldn't have been before that because they would have definitely got rid of me. 
yeah, I mean, I was right there and I don't, I didn't, see, I didn't know it. And I, I just want to share this with you guys. My cousin, Dr. Phyllis Beach, we were, we've been working on our family reunion mm -hmm. and she, she does this amazing research and she's found the actual slave documents. What? Wow. That's big. Cause that's hard to find. <laughs> You have to have that Oprah money. To find just, I'm telling you right now, that was such a moment. It just, everything just got so real. Mm. Wow. Looking at those documents and I marveled even more at how I get to be here. Mm. What amazing, they were sold on a slave block and I'm here. Mm. Mm, I think of that all the time, ancestors. I don't think I ever thought of it until I, I thought of it. I see a movie. I, you know, I'm so distant from it, but seeing it in black and white just, just mm. made me mm. feel so many things, and mainly just jubilant mm. that 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 I'm able to do whatever I can to make it worth it. Mm. Wow. That's that's uh, that's yes. powerful. That is your own family member that you can tangibly, you know. I've heard stories from my grandmother, then the grandmother's grand, you know, those kind of stories. Yeah, yeah. I posted, a, I posted it on Facebook because I just couldn't get over them writing this down and documenting this happened. Hmm. Wow. You know, and, and so to be able to be here and be a part of anything positive and insightful and forward moving is a testament to why they endured, you know? So yeah, I have a right to feel good about myself. I owe it to them. Yes, <laughs> at the very least. Well, that, that's something my foster mother used to say to me, which is weird. I didn't know what she meant until I got older. But um, that was one of the ways I dealt with um, racism or anything that was weird or different. Um, she used to say, think of what your ancestors went through. Mm -hmm. You couldn't be here if they didn't go through all that. So you yeah. owe them something to be something, to yeah. do something for yourself. And At least very, be a decent human being. It's very interesting because, you know, way back we're talking about the uh, people saying, well, why should I pay for something that my ancestors did mm. and my ancestors? And then you look at, you know, your story, Eleanor Joyce, and go, no. And being Asian, we respect our ancestors. Once yes. we never even met, you know, ghosts from way back because yes. they are a part of us. I'm yes. here because of them. Yes. You know, so it's very interesting how people look at the different angles of their ancestors. I mean, we all come from somewhere, folks. Yeah, we we're do. All, you know, we're here because of a lot of other people. Yes, and that's why it's important for all of us to figure out how to get along uh, and at least uh, tolerate each other, at least, if nothing else. You don't have to love each other, uh, but at least um, I yeah, think- Yeah, walk, walk a mile in another person's shoes. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's got, I don't know. I would, Karen, does that, does that do anything when you hear that? Like, I mean, I'm just curious because I'm always asking questions. When you hear, does, does any, how does that land with you? And I like to say walk in their skin. Yeah. I like to say walk in their skin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, walk in their shoes. That's a yeah, yeah. So so going forward, um, but, so, um go ahead, sorry. Could, could I mean I just I'm curious because when I'm talking and I'm in something like that, it said, does there is there any sense what does it do anything just for you feeling it for your friend, or do you feel any part of it that would be worth sharing, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, just real quick, because I know that we are, um, there is time for all of us, but um, I think that I'm, I, I wonder, and this could be a conversation for later, if I'm ever really going to be able to walk in somebody's shoes, mm. you know, like I want to listen and I want to learn. And when I do hear something, because you know that I care deeply about you, Helena Joyce. So when I do hear something that is great, I feel great for you. And when I hear something that's terrible, I feel terrible for you. But, um, but I, but I don't know. Um, I would never want to say that I could walk in your shoes. I could only say that I could walk beside you and be your friend. Yeah. Here's the thing about all being actors and performers, right? I mean, one of the, the biggest lessons in acting is when you be, when you're in that person's skin, when you become that character, you understand how that person thinks and what they've been through. Mm -hmm. Then you get a, 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 you have compassion and empathy for that person, even if you're playing someone who's you might not at all relate to at all, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but then you you put yourself in that person's shoes or their skin, and you understand, so you can imagine that. But you know. I, I don't know if everyone does that. I think if everybody did have that in them, mm. then it, the world would definitely be a better place. Absolutely. Again, all our experiences are different. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's why we should share them. That's exactly why we should share them and not be intimidated by them. I mean, that's when I think about solutions as we wrap up, um, one of the things I say is don't be intimidated by someone else's story. So whether that's, you know, my dad was really racist and I, you know, um, I was not kind to black people. Whether whether it's um, I'm a black person, I'm saying, well, I was never around anyone, blah, blah, blah. Whatever that is, appreciate that that's what it is. Um, and okay, where do we go forward? You know, how can I just be in a room with you? And um, even if I don't have dialogue with you, just be in a room and be comfortable enough to be in the room with you without feeling that I have to do something to you because you're not like me. That's 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 my thing. And I, yeah, I think that that's true across the board because sometimes we can get so used to being around our circle that we have a hard time actually hearing anything that's different from our circle. And that makes it impossible for us to really ever come together. We just keep coming together in our circle. And that, that's, that's been a frustration for me, you know, across race lines, uh, uh, political lines we gotta find a way to be in conversation with others other than the ones that just agree with every you know how we feel and, and we're really struggling in that area yeah. well you're a great advocate for that helena joyce because you really push for that you you, yeah. you really do you push the boundaries and go well let's have this topic or take it from this angle which most people wouldn't look especially you being in new york in a very liberal angle yeah but they will let's throw this in the mix and and have people really think you know, before they open their mouth, really think about it or really listen to what the other really person is saying first. You know, you may not agree, but at least listen, you know? 
Yeah, you know, it's really true because I did grow up in an era where we had Dan Rather, Walter Cronkite. They were real journalists, and you didn't know what their political parties were affiliated. It wasn't like Fox and CNN. You actually could hear all these bits of information and take it in. It helped. Wow. Well, um, yeah, we have to start um, really just using all of our brain. Is what I say. Uh, and, and sharing. Heart. Yeah, and chart. But Karen, I know you have to go um, and we will wrap up. Uh, but is there anything last thing you'd like to say um, as a final solution um, or anything on EAG, uh, AIG, any, anything? Um, I think that there's no solution, but this is an ongoing thing and we just have to keep doing the work every single day um, in our corner of the world, um, Helena Joyce and Chris and everybody at EAG um, are really just trying to create a space where people feel they can come and they can just share these things, good, bad, indifferent, um, whatever their perception, however they've been raised, that they can just come together and say, this is, this is what my perspective is. Um, and we can start cultivating that compassion and understanding. So thank Thanks. you for, for having us, Tanya. And I hope everybody will check out our sustainable conversations yes. on the last Monday of every night. Um, yes. uh, the last Monday of every month. And how do people, um, what's the Facebook group they can go to, to join or what do you, what, how would they get um, that? They can go to actorsguild.org oh, and find it in our events. Okay. I have that already. Um, and um, our Facebook and Instagram is actors guild NYC. So they can find it there as well. And we look Don't forward to Don't we have to a, a group, um, sustainable conversations group on Facebook as well? We yeah. do. Yeah, yeah sustainable conversations. Yeah, yeah they do. need to be invited, but they if they ask to be invited, I'll, I'll, you know, either all of us can we can let them in. Is that right? Actors that Guild. That is correct. That's correct. Okay, so you guys can go there and find it. Um, you can also inbox me always, as you know. Uh, I'm famous for saying, uh, for saying, um, you know, um, I'm famous for uh, connecting people together. I love that uh, because really that's. What it's all about is connection. Yeah, Tanya, thank you because that yeah. was really, really informative, and I was very excited because I'm not always. <laughs> I'm glad I excite you. I am a comedian, so I will have to leave. Some really helpful work out here. Yeah. No, I think that you all are, are greatly intertwined, and I wish there was a way to intermingle both of these sustainable with the center because um, all those people are little, I call them angel legions, who will go out and spread the word. And I would and love to explore that. Yeah. I, 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 would, I could see working with, with her. That would be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah she's amazing. And I've known Robin. Uh, she didn't mention it, but my daughter's 34. I've known Robin 32 years. As a Quaker, yeah. As a Quaker, we had a Quaker meeting, yes. And she mm -hmm. was my uh, one of my best uh, advocates. I'll call her. I'll call, I'll say I loved her it's from day yeah. one. Uh, from day one. So I've known her a long time. Um, great character, um, great spirit, and and tenacity like nobody's business. <laughs> so y'all are in the same uh, in the same realm. I'll say, you know, uh, uh, of, um, 
of, you know, when you're committed to something, you're committed, you know. So thank you, all, 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 all three of you. I said one, two, three, four. <laughs> thank you, all three of you, Robin left, uh, for, for, for taking the time to come. Any final last thought, anything that you missed, that you might have missed, that a viewer might be listening um, and, you know, thinking something, anything you can say to them. And I'm going to run before those yes. final thoughts, yes. but I can't wait to hear them. Yes. Thank you, guys. So okay. great to see all of you. We'll see you, you on the 30th. Okay. Miss you, Karen. Karen. That's right. The 30th is your next Sustainable Conversations, right? 30th, yes. is yeah. it? Yeah. It's, a, it's a Monday, a Monday night, exactly. 7 p.m. Um, and if you need to figure out how to get in, it's free to, to, to listen in, to help, you know, assist or whatever you want to uh, say it. But please, you got to go. It, tell your friends, especially if you have a friend that you know is a little suspect with racism and, and prejudice, please. And not, I'm not saying it to be facetious. I'm saying it because it's like, uh, it's like a, it's like a, uh, an infection right now in racism. It's like, it's just spreading everywhere and it just won't go away. It's like, oh, it's on me here, oh, it's on me. you know? And 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 I can easily like hold my head up and say, eh, whatever. But that's just not gonna be, a, it's not gonna help. It's just gonna keep getting worse. So my theory is if everyone, somebody tells someone else, eventually we'll get to the point of talking at least. Just talking, I'm not asking for nothing. I'm not asking for your home or your kids, your firstborn. Just talking, having conversation. That's all we need. Sustainable conversation is great for that. You can come and, and share your, your stories about, um, you know, maybe you grew up different than Tommy or Jane or, you know, Quam, whoever. Uh, and that's fine. Who cares? It's okay. Those All those stories are important. And yep. all those stories matter in how we treat each other as human beings. It does matter. But I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. It all starts with a conversation. And Tanya, you're great. You know, you're a regular at Sustainable Conversations. And what you bring to the table is so precious and valuable. Um, and, you know, the next one is a conversation on the conversation. So we'll be talking about really geared toward our regulars. Is there anything that we missed or anything that was misunderstood? Let's talk about that. Let's mm -hmm. get it out there, you know, if you're willing to. Anybody that's new that's joining the conversation, I think the question might be, um, how do you keep a conversation on racism in America sustainable? Mm. How do you do that? So mm. it's specific and personal. Mm. You know? I like so. that. I got to remember to promote that uh, because well, I, like I, 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 I would encourage everybody, no matter how tolerant you think you are, one of the things I have said and I've observed mm -hmm. is that oftentimes the ones who have viewed themselves as the tolerant group Mm -hmm. I have proven tolerant only when others are saying what they agree with. And, 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 and it is very helpful to check. Are you tolerant when somebody comes in and says something that you consider over here? Mm. I mean, are you tolerant? If somebody says I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not for abortion. Right. Are you tolerant? You mm. say you're tolerant, but you got to check your level of tolerance. They should have a right to have that belief as long as they do not interfere with your right to have a choice. But mm. we don't always check our tolerance for and, and vice versa. We know that the other side might be intolerant, but right. challenging each of us right. to check our own level of how tolerant are you really? Are you only tolerant when people agree with you? Because how can we get into conversation if we can't find some level of 
tolerance for people who right now see it a different way. Right. Wow. Well, thank you. Um, I'm really excited um, about the work you're all doing. I'm excited about um, your your sustainable conversations, um, the 30th. Uh, and that's just because, again, it's just, it's just as much hope that uh, that the right person will hear what they need to hear to change their heart. Because I'm really just all about peace right now. That's it. I don't care about it, all the stuff. It's just peace, love, happiness after the pandemic, being locked in the house for two years. Let's go, people. Let's go. Let's, like, yeah. There should be nothing to be intimidated by or scared by or whatever. There should be nothing. It should all be love. And and that's the one thing I can say I've been seeing over here. I go to the street market. I, there's people out. There's people, families yeah, girl, out. You need to come back before you get ruined. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you have too much, you know, just all this peace. Uh, you need to come back in the trenches. Uh, <laughs> I got I will definitely see y'all before this summer. I'll see you brief, but I will definitely see you. I might need to come over here. Come on, Chris, let's go. I know, right? That's true. I'm gonna make it a point to, to let's go to London, Chris. I'm, I'm making a, I don't know how we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen for sure. Because uh you deserve I, a vacation. Well, that's right. Everyone deserves a vacation. Are you kidding? Everyone. Uh, but no, yeah. I just deserve a monument. Just want the monument. <laughs> that's right. That's My it. bad. Easy. Really easy. We got work to. We got some work to do. Tanya, thank you well, thank so you much. Guys. You yes, are. Thank you. You're you just guys. beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate you. And any last words before we go? Yeah, it. Okay. So just hang out for one second, and um, I want to see something here. Just give me one second.